Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Mission 300 podcast. This is my second run at our intro for the episode. You do not want to know what happened in the first one. But my name is Jason, joined as always by Brian, David, and Tommy, usually Caleb, but Caleb is not with us this evening. And so it's going to be nice not having to hear his voice for one episode. But Tommy, you look... <laughs> Caleb, I know you're going to hear this later. I love you, buddy. I, I miss you. But Tommy, are you ready to get this started tonight? I am ready to get going. Uh, we'll miss right. Caleb, but we know he's listening. I'm sure he is. David, I know because of the daylight savings, you've gotten an extra hour of sleep to prepare for this. Do you think it helped? It helped so much more than you could possibly imagine. You you were literally saying that as you were rubbing your eyes as if you just got out of bed. So I I don't believe you. Well, not even, not even a little bit. But Brian, you seem a little bit more cheery than David, a little bit more peppy. You ready to do this? I'm ready to do it. The coffee's in. I'm just going to warn you. Caleb will probably come back with a vengeance next week. So be ready, Jason. That's true. I'm going to get all my cheap shots in in this episode when he's not here to defend himself. And then we'll just let it ride and see what happens, you know, high risk, high reward kind of a situation. But anyways, we want to get into our topic here. So in the last few episodes, we've been uh, going over this passage in 2 Timothy chapter 2, um, in the first section, we covered this area where um, it's actually in verses, see, verses 4 through 6 that we've really been focusing on in 2 Timothy chapter 2, where he talks about the good soldier, the athlete, and the farmer. <clears throat> and as we've talked about these different aspects or these different characters, um, you'll, you'll have to go back and listen to the episodes to get a fuller um fuller take on them but so far when we were talking about the soldier there were certain aspects we brought out where you know you're in a situation where you don't really own your own life it belongs to others you're in service under a commander and in a military and so there's there's different dynamics to that you can't be distracted by the petty things of life you have to endure a lot of unique hardships you have to deal with differences in authority in the ranks of people above you and beneath you and then we looked at the athlete in the next one where uh, it's more more of an individual character, more of an individualistic or personal aspect where you're choosing a path to go down. You're choosing something to train and dedicate your life to. And in that, you have to know what you're getting into. You have to know the rules of the contest. So there's different dynamics there. But as we're going to talk about the farmer here, this one always stood out to me as being kind of different because you see the soldier. And he says, endure hardship as a good soldier. You know, don't entangle yourself with the affairs of everyday life. And then we see the athlete who has, has to compete according to the rules that he's engaged in. And we have a soldier and an athlete, which are kind of comparable. But then we have this farmer thrown in there. And it's not a message of, you know, be like the hardworking farmer who is up at the break of dawn, who works through dusk and is just, you know, also working hard like the athlete and the soldier. He doesn't say that. He says... Look at the hardworking farmer who should be the first to receive his share of the crops. And that seems like such a different shift from the first two. And so we're just going to peel back the layers of this onion and see what in the world this is talking about here. So you guys have any initial thoughts? Well, the first thing I wanted to ask was if you were in a situation like Timothy, and I think, Jason, maybe you could kind of break down Timothy's background just for a moment of what he was in the middle of when these words came. And all of a sudden, the person that is like your father figure, the one you admire, 
gives you these final words, how would that encourage you? Like, would it encourage you or would it feel like, oh, don't worry, you got this. As we talked about before, probably the worst words that you could speak to someone who's actually wanting some advice, you know. Um, I'm not saying they're always the worst words, but the receiver takes them as thanks a lot. Thanks. Thanks for all your help. But maybe could you just kind of give a little bit, uh, go back and kind of recap the where Timothy is in his life and where Paul is in his life when these words come. And then I guess I kind of want to start before we get into the farmer. How would this encourage you, inspire you, um, bring clarity to you? Would it these be words that would be helpful? Because I think it's just really powerful that Paul chose to encourage Timothy in this manner. Yeah, so if you go back into chapter one or at the end of chapter one of Second Timothy, and this whole letter is is you know obviously from Paul to Timothy. Paul is sort of a father figure to Timothy. We don't really know who Timothy's dad was, um, but Paul had taken on this father figure role, kind of a spiritual father to him. And this is actually near the end of Paul's life. This is one of the final things he's going to be having in communication to Timothy. And this book is actually where we get Paul saying, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. So he's kind of coming to the end of his life and his ministry. And right before this section in chapter two, the ending of chapter one, we have Paul explaining these things of, hey, you're aware a lot of people have abandoned me. Um, he calls some people out by name, which is something we don't talk a lot about today, but he calls people out by name that have abandoned him. Um, groups of people that have left him behind and people that have supported him. And then he says in the first part of this chapter, therefore you, because of all this stuff going on, you need to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that I've been teaching you that you've heard from me, you need to teach those to other people and entrust other people. So he's, it's almost this last final charge from a father to a son as there's a transition happening as Paul's fading out and Timothy is stepping into probably a larger role of ministry as a pastor and, and the other things going on in his ministry. And so it really is this charge from a father to a son. Something's changing. My time's up. It's your turn to keep pressing on and pursuing things. Here's some stuff to keep in mind now. And so from that, we get the context of the soldier, the athlete and the farmer. And I think it, it, is very much a I, I don't know that I would see this as like a hey you go and get them buddy as as I'm kind of done and I'm leaving so you go get them tiger because you're still going to be alive for a while it it seems it seems to me that there's a lot more depth to this because it's specific it's a charge and it's kind of like you're starting this mission or you're continuing this mission and Paul knows there's going to be perils. He knows there's going to be opposition and a lot of issues. And so he's equipping Timothy and he's reminding him of some really core and really central things that he's going to need to get through life, especially after Paul's gone. Given some of that background, it's it's interesting to to look at, you know, what is Paul saying, you know, when he says soldier athlete i know we talked about them before but like um authority and then um the the choice of an athlete right the athletes choosing this race um it's individual it's personal and there's rules 
But then you go to look at the farmer and it's like, they're the part partaker of the first fruits. What does that mean? I think it, it means a lot of different things. The one thing that maybe sticks out to me the most, and maybe you guys can push back or um, give some of your thoughts on this, but I think, I think what the farmer means is take risks and be the partaker in, in the rewards of that. And maybe I'm wrong, but I, what, what I've seen in my personal experience is, um, for those who don't know, I'm in sales. Uh, the background industry is agriculture. And I work specifically in the seed conditioning industry. It's a super niche industry, but it's super vital um, to the back backbone of agriculture. So um, give some context, seed conditioning, what they're doing is they're basically removing impurities um, from seed lines. And so the companies I work with, they're actually seed multipliers. What they do is they grow seed um, for the purpose of replanting. Um, to sell that seed to farmers. Given all that, what I've seen um, is that farming is a is a boom or a bust. You have um, you have great years and you have bad years, and you have to deal with a lot of different challenges and a lot of different um, things. There's you know, recently I would say the, the developments have made it so that farmers can make a lot of money. They can also lose a lot of money. But with that comes a lot of different choices. I know, Brian, you talked a little bit about um, a uh, documentary you were talking about earlier about um, having to choose just different hybrids of different seed. And I can tell you for a fact that's, that's true. Um, farmers are planting different varieties all over the place to try and mitigate risk, but also trying to determine what's going to do best for this field, what's going to do best for this field, how am I going to maximize profitability with also all these unknown risks, weather, um, even just, you know, bad planting conditions, bad harvesting conditions. Uh, I think of just recently, um, I was in Southern Minnesota, Northern Iowa, and they got hit with snow. Unpredictable, right? Um, makes the ground wet, makes it hard for them to get out and harvest. And so there's just all these different risks that a farmer has to mitigate, but ultimately they get the reward of the crop, whether that's a boom or a bust, they get that reward. And so looking back at this in, in the context of Paul and Timothy, it's like Paul was taking risks for the gospel and he gets those rewards that he risks. And to me, it's, it, it's, it's taking uh, a father and saying, here you go, son. Here's all the things I've learned. Now you actually got to go do something with it. Go take the risk. Go sow the seed and see if a harvest comes. Go sow the seed and see if you have to start all over again the next year. And, you know, that's what's crazy about that, too, um, because I live in an area that is surrounded by farmland. They're, like That's all that it is out here. It's, it's farmland. And most farmers are just finishing up harvest right now. Most have finished up this week or the week before. Um, but talking to some of the guys that have helped out with that, and a friend of mine has a, a relatively small farm. It, it's a lot of acres, but relatively small. But I think a lot of people misunderstand what it's like to be a farmer when you only look at it through the modern lens. You imagine, you know, every farm has 
you know, irrigation systems and all these high-end tractors and stuff. But the, the one friend of mine, they actually don't have an irrigation system on any of their acreage. And that's the case for a lot of farmers. And we don't realize that, that that makes you completely dependent on getting rain. And so the farmer, when I look at that, there's a lot of things that are outside of their control. And there's a lot of things they can control, but you can't make it rain. I mean, maybe, I guess, if someone wants to talk about cloud seeding and all that, that's not really my area of expertise. But here, at least, we can't make it rain. We can't make um, locusts leave us alone. I mean, we have sprays and stuff to a degree, but there's a lot about farming that you can't control. You can't control when uh, snow is melting in the spring, when it's going to start to snow in the next following winter, how hot it is, the level of rain we get. So you are kind of dependent or you are functioning in an environment where at times you're subject to the elements and it's outside of your control. Whereas the other two characters, the soldier and the athlete, it's very much you're controlling the outcome. As a soldier, you're controlling the outcome for how you, how you stand in that military. You might not be able to control the outcome of the war, but you can at least take care of everything you're responsible for. The athlete, you're the only one that can push yourself to be that highest level athlete. No one, there's, there's, there's nothing stopping you, but you, but the farmer has all these other things to deal with. And I think that can apply at times to someone in a position like Timothy. And we see this in the parables of Jesus sometimes where the sower will scatter the seed and it's nothing the sower did wrong, but some seed doesn't return a harvest. Some seed gets snatched away. And so as the hardworking farmer, when there is a harvest and a crop, you do or you should be the first to receive a share from that, whatever that means, looks like. I think you brought up a couple interesting points. And Tommy, I think you, uh, maybe it's not the whole encompassing of what that story is, but what you just communicated really brought my eyes open is almost like dealing with we make choices, let's say we make plans for our life, and we we think we have, if I make this plan and this environment stays the same, like with this, like you said, Jason, with the soldier, his whole role is just to basically follow the orders and endure it and do it properly. That that's really the main main role. Now there's factors they can't control. that you know, they may be in inclement weather, they may be tested in the training but ultimately there's a path um and they do have an expectation that we can die like if we go to war we can die so the death part is out of their control but but the role is is similar the athlete you know you could damage your body you could get injured you can lose motivation it, but i like i like how you're bringing up that personal so there's a risk in each one but the farmer really is something very unique in the sense that you you kind of choose to be a farmer. Like you could say, I didn't choose it. My family passed it down. But you could walk away from it. If you walk away from it, you're going to walk away from something. But it's not like uh, your life is over. The athlete can walk away. A soldier can't walk away. So we have these these different factors. But the thing that's really standing out to me with the farmer is this risk, risk side that you just brought up, Tommy. And I'm thinking of the closure of 
Paul's life that he sowed and he sowed and he farmed and he, in the sense of people's hearts, right? To find himself no appearing to have no crop. You know, it's almost like nothing, like all this stuff, the churches are turning away. They're following other things like you labor for nothing, but in a way, Timothy is his reward. Timothy is kind of that, that first fruit that stood out. And I think this could be a good picture too, why Jesus, you know, we always talk about what a great ministry would look like or a great, um, how the best way to reach the entire world with the gospel or whatever. And Jesus would probably be, I, I'm just going to say this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stretch the limits of our thinking here, probably the master of evangelism. I, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I know, I know I'm stretching it out there, but maybe the master of evangelism and church planting and ministry, and he's the master. Now, someone out there might dis disagree with me because he didn't have a YouTube channel, he didn't have a lot of followers. But to leave with 120, it's almost like if you go back to the hardworking farmer, he got the best seeds for the crop that he wants to plant. And so I'm kind of looking at that a little bit like Timothy really exploded. And there's others too, but Timothy's one that really exploded the church. And that relationship between Paul and Timothy, to have two books written, and so many churches use that model of leadership and how to structure a church and how to do all those things. Timothy really is the seed that that part, Paul participating in his first fruit, because that's the one he's really leaving behind to continue this continue this process in a powerful way, as far as you know, as, to be written about in Scripture and all that stuff. And think about the risk of your life that you go through your life, as Paul did, to be the most prolific writer and impactful spokesman of the mysteries of the kingdom of God through the whole New Testament, even to the point where Peter's saying, Paul's teachings are hard, but they're right. They're, they're hard to understand, but they're right. So even Peter, who is the pillar of the church, quote unquote, one of the three closest to Jesus is saying Paul has things that I, I'm even trying to get a hold of that are true. Like he he has this understanding to come to the point where you are. And I just think it's interesting. It almost looks like they digress. But if you look at a good farmer, let's let's go back to a day you didn't buy your seed. But let's, we can put it in today's context. You need to make enough money off your crop in order to buy the seed. That's going to make you more money the next year. So the first thing that you're looking at is after I do my, my harvest, I need to make enough profit to not just take care of things, but to pay for the seed that I'm going to plant in the next year. So of priorities of investment, the seed is the first thing, but he's saying the farmer gets to partake of that first, first crop. So some of the best he gets to partake of. And I, I see Jesus with his disciples and in the last moments and him going and after he raises from the dead and goes interacts, that's his, 
I'm, I'm adding to this, so don't theologically challenge me here, but it's almost like, hey, you guys are my first fruits. You're the thing that I'm going to seed the rest with. And Timothy is like that seed. And so there's two metaphors. There's one, the natural side of a farmer, right? So there needs to be some profit. Like if you just go and do all this and then there's no seed at the end, what, what value is that? You get one season and it's over. But instead, there's this, this crop and this harvest and you get to partake of that. And so I'm kind of looking at that risk reward and the cost to get to that point. And here, Christianity is the largest religion in the world, per se, referring to as religion, but it's gone the furthest because of that seed. And so I think staying on the idea of seeds and the idea of the risk, but would you be willing to take the risk not knowing if the crop is going to come through? And we, I'm, I have a few other thoughts, but I want to hear your commentary on that. I kind of have something, but it's kind of unrelated. Go for it. But I feel like there's a lot, there's a lot of symbolism with farming throughout the Bible, like everywhere. I mean, everywhere, probably every book in the Bible has some reference to farming. Don't quote me on that. But I feel like one of the big, I mean, I don't know if this is the thing it's talking about, but I think it does specifically say the hardworking farmer. And I kind of have a genuine question of how hard should you work? Because I've seen like, if you've seen the movie Faith Like Potatoes, the entire beginning of the movie is him overworking himself and into misery as a farmer. And then he gets saved and then everything turns around and he has Faith Like Potatoes. It's a good movie. Um, but I'm kind of curious what your guys' thoughts are on that. Of like how hard is too hard to work in this in this light how hard is too hard how hard is not enough because i mean there is not enough because it says if you don't work you shouldn't eat and i mean there is something that you have to do essentially but i'm kind of curious because i mean it's hard because the gospel is not based on works but if we should take inspiration off the hard-working farmer then what does hard-working mean I'll I'll even throw another wrench into that just to well just to throw a wrench in it. And so that hardworking farmer, the farmer that toils in the Greek, it's the same phrase used in in uh in Matthew when Jesus says, Why are you worried about clothing or aren't uh observe the lilies of the field? They don't toil, nor do they spin, and yet they're clothed. So there's this idea of, hey, why are you guys worried so much? The the flowers don't work hard. And they're taken care of. So there we go. All right. Well, then let's put that into context. No, th I think this is a great question because here we are talking about hard working. We just watched a. Uh, um, we like the Rocky series and Sylvester Stallone, and I know he's a natural guy and did it the world, you know whatever but there's something that you enjoy about someone who was at nothing and broke through 
and establish something, right? But I thought it was interesting. He goes through his life and everything that he impacted. He changed uh, the action hero. He changed, you know, just from a from a movie point of view, he changed everything. And he has this character that's kind of uh, heroic, and it's not only personal, like in his personal life, but also in his movie life. But then when you come to the end, it was almost like he was starting over. Like now he's just going to start over. So kind of the documentary goes, he's selling off his house. He's getting rid of everything and he's going to go start new. You know, he's 77 years old, 76 years old, whatever. But it was interesting based on this story. It's almost like he doesn't have fruit of he doesn't have seed for the future he just has this crop that he worked for and it's very interesting he was hard working but there's no seed going forward that is established in someone else and it kind of fits in this like paul wasn't doing this just to get his reward now you get to partake but you know what the big time of the crop is, is for the future. And it's throughout history and how throughout the Bible, it's always about about the offspring. I mean, Abraham's greatest treasure he could have was children's children, like his children's children. That He was always thinking generationally ahead. Even the founding of this nation, when you had George Washington spending all of his own money to fund the 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 uh constitutional army or the 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 revolutionary army you have many wealthy people that gave up their whole fortunes to win this war and after the war they had nothing but they the in if you read some of their writings it was i want my children's children to have a home and i think we don't have that mindset so now when we're thinking about work and hard working and not that I don't admire the success of Sylvester Stallone, I still like him, but there's an end to it. Someone else is now going to do something different. And you might have taught some things, but you're, you'll just be known as a character, but you're, what you are doesn't keep, the spirit of what you are doesn't keep going. It's something new, and it just kind of keeps moving on. And, and he even said it, he goes, I wasn't there for my family. So he's now trying now to be the thing that he wanted, that he ignored during that whole journey. So when I think about hardworking, I think we have to switch because Paul says, by the grace of God, I labor more than you all. Mm -hmm. It is an outflow. It's seeing something beyond. It's no longer you becoming it's what you are and it becomes the outflow and you're willing to exhaust yourself into that outflow because you see something in the future i i think that is that actually answers david's question and yours yours about the risk and david's about the hard work I don't think it's about the degree of work that's the problem, but it's more of the goal of the degree of work. So if I'm killing myself because I want to make a lot of money because that's fun and enjoyable and comfortable, 
that's the wrong way to work hard. And that kind of hard work is not beneficial in the grand scheme of things. But if I understand my position in the kingdom and my family and the generations to come afterwards, then my hard work is in pursuit of that. And it is by that grace and through that grace that I work hard. Because just as everyone in Hebrews 11 was looking forward to the reward that they didn't receive, yet they did all these great things in faith and planted all these seeds that they never saw a harvest from until our time or the time of Christ. That's the mindset I think he's trying to communicate. And I think that answers the question of, well, what are you willing to risk? Or how hard are you willing to work? And how hard is too hard? If, you're, if your motive and your goal is, is the kingdom and the generations to come, it's a very different game. Because someone who just kills himself and works so hard to build their empire, and then they die at 85 and leave everything to charity or their kids that they never talked to, that's a complete failure of a life. And all that hard work was for nothing. Uh, let me just throw in more thought in that. As you're saying that, a lot of things are just kind of popping in my mind is he first tells them endure hardness as a good soldier. So now the mindset is I'm going to, I'm, I'm committed to this regardless. I'm not going to consider my own life. I'm going to consider the life of the one above me and I'm going to live this life. And then Paul says, okay, that's the right mindset. Now add to that mindset you're choosing this. There is a prize, but you got to run according to the rules. So, so now you have this mindset of, but it, it, it is your, it, it, you're an individual too in the middle of this. It's not you're just lost in a blob. You're an individual too. You need to go after this, um, knowing that there's a prize, but compete according to the rules. And he switches over. So you kind of get those two thoughts. So you're living selfless, but now you're pursuing something. Now we get to the farmer. Maybe he adds in, don't forget the farmer gets to be the first partakers of the fruit, because maybe the mindset could shift to, I'm just going to farm and I don't care what I get out of it. I'm just going to work at it. I don't care what I get out of it. I'm just going to work at it and I don't care what I get out of it. I'm just going to work hard and, and go. And he said, but don't stop. Don't forget to stop and know that you get to be the first part to enjoy the fruit of that. But keep keep doing that. And that kind of ties into something that in Hebrews it says that he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So just believing that he is is not enough. There has to be something that pulls us in. And so the idea that, man, God rewards this isn't a selfish focus, but it's a reminder that there's something to pursue in this too that has a has a bigger benefit and that he rewards that and i think we get so convoluted in our uh our way of the world of we're either way too individualistic or we're way too we could do whatever we want or the worst is is that we're just victims we're victims of everything we're victims of this we're victims of that we're victims of this we're victims of that so we do nothing and it's almost like Paul has to bring all three mindsets into this picture, but they don't stand alone. It's not just the soldier. It's not just the athlete. It's not just the hardworking farmer. All three mindsets are working 
into what we are. Maybe to touch on this too, just in terms of like a farmer, um, there's a time to work and there's a time to enjoy, right? During harvest, a farmer has to work. You have to work hard. You can't look away. But there comes a time where it's now winter. You now have time to enjoy the fruits of what you produced. And ultimately, I think like what we're talking about here is if you're working just to work, it doesn't matter, right? There's supposed to be enjoyment in what you worked towards. That doesn't mean once you've grabbed or achieved this, right? You, you had a good season of farming, right? You, you got your first fruits. You still have to plan for the next year. So it's not like your race is ever over. It's not over until God takes you up, right? Paul was still fighting until the day he died. But there was a time where he enjoyed what he was producing. And so my one pushback might be we live in a generation who doesn't want to work hard. So maybe it's time to work hard and maybe see what's a little too much. (laughs) Um, I know I've, you know, experienced both ends. I've experienced the, I go to school and just kind of let everything pass by and just whatever, not work hard, but still get by. And then I've also been in the boats where it's like, okay, I'm not even enjoying what I've worked so hard for. Um, One immediate things of this, um, like example, you know, taking a reward is I worked like a dog to pay for a wedding. And then to enjoy that time made it all special. That was the first fruits of all the labor that we had put in. Me and my wife, uh, we put a lot of time into this. And we did it in different ways. She put a lot of time planning into executing all this stuff. I put a lot of time into working long hours, being away, um, picking up an extra job, doing all this other stuff so that we could enjoy this time. And now I'm in a season where I'm I'm enjoying that time where we're together. But there's also going to be another season where Okay, now we we want a house that we can call our own, that we can raise a family in. Okay, it's time to get ready. It's time to prepare. It's time to work. It's time to sacrifice. It's time to put in the hours. It's time to do this to then get the reward of the house, right? And so it, I, I see this in a in a physical sense, but then you also see this in spiritual, right? With discipleship and with planting and with sowing and with all the stuff. There is reward in that. It's not just like part of the thing I really struggle with is with Christianity. Sometimes it seems like, or even any sort of religion, when you're, when you're looking to the plant a church, you can become so focused on the work that you never actually enjoy what you have. Um, me and my wife, we joined a church plant here in Minneapolis. Um, and you can labor and labor and labor and invite people. But if you never enjoy the three people that are there with you, you're going to have nothing. Well, and think of that even in the context of our farmer. 
let's say you work your entire year as a farmer to produce this great crop. Thanksgiving comes around, you have this big feast with your family, and the only thing you're doing during that Thanksgiving feast is complaining about how hard you worked all year and thinking about how hard you worked. You've completely ruined the whole point of producing the harvest, or you've completely lost it, and you're probably ruining it for other people too. Let me uh, just throw an idea out there, Tommy, because I I know you enough, so I'm not really pushing back on you because I kind of know your thought process, but just for the listener... Um, so you worked hard to do the wedding Then you're going to work hard to get the house. What is the goal of that working hard to have a super spectacular wedding? Couldn't you just go to a judge and just get married? Like, why did you have to spend all that labor? Now, I know there's a good reason for this. I'm just, I'm looking at kind of being a little bit of a pushback from the work side of things. Wasn't that just for you to kind of spectate yourself? Now you're going to go get a house. What kind of house? What is the purpose of your house? So you could live better and not have to rent? Or your place is too small? I find it interesting. You go to the old farms, like the old farms, like the original farmers that labored and actually built the fields. I'm not talking about the new people that came in and bought up the fields and the new money cash flowing in. Talking about the old farmers. Have you ever seen how big their fields are? And they have this little house on the corner. Their barn is five times bigger than their house. The All the equipment, the supplies, all of that to run the farm is like top notch. And they have this little house. The house served a purpose for the farm. So me and my wife were just talking about this. The the other day, um, we were just talking about how it is like the upper middle class 40 years ago, like in the community, go to an upper middle class community 40 years ago, 50 years ago, and see the size of houses. Then you go buy one of those houses, and you're upper middle class now, and it is like the smallest, worst little floor plan. and and ineffective to our current world of need. It it doesn't fit the flow of our TV room. It doesn't fit the flow of, it served a purpose and it was good, but they didn't have all the extra things necessary that you need a much bigger house to hold the things that we've accumulated in our current, if you're to say this is upper middle class and current upper middle class. It's like everything has shifted. The dynamics and the needs have shifted. And I think that's what kind of makes it challenging when we're looking at setting goals is we have to see from the perspective of what God is seeing in that, because God has no problem with you prospering. But do I need a bigger house because it's really on my heart to have a big family and this is where God's taken with my life? Or... I know God is taking me, let's say you're going on missions or whatever. Now, what kind of house do you need to buy? Or how do we pick those things? Because I think that becomes the biggest challenge of, it just sounds like you're doing the American dream, quote unquote. That's just the American dream. 
you have the big wedding, you go get the big house, and then you keep getting a bigger house, and then you work harder, but you really never paid for the bigger house. You're still paying off the bigger house, and now you're in this cycle, and now you're you're working all these hours. Now you're at a job that you really don't like, but you make really good money in order to pay for the life that you just built, but you're miserable at the job that you are, and then they ask you to do something that goes against your ethics, but you have to go against your ethics because you can't afford to lose that job because you've just accumulated all these things. I know that's kind of a little off topic where we're at, but it kind of fits into this motivation, and I'm going to just tie it back real quick to this Sylvester Stallone documentary that we watched. His whole motive like he was he was hard working. He lost he almost lost his whole family. That's how hard working he was. Like he was hard working. Morning, night, everyone who knew him, one of the hardest workers to build everything that he built. But at the end, he didn't have anything because he said, I have all this, but it's so empty. Like it it what what did I build? But in through the little theme through the whole story is his dad was extremely abusive and jealous of him all growing up. So you have this theme of his father keep popping in. And then at the very end, they finally make this reconciliation at the end of the, the time. And this there's a question, I forgot how they worded it, but it's almost like you're pursuing to deal with, because he brought up this, this movie that impacted him of the, the need to be accepted and loved. And it's a scene between an old, it's an old movie, a scene where a king is renouncing his son as his son and said, you will get nothing from me and how that impacted him. So you see this drive going on in his building. And I'm not saying he wouldn't have worked hard, but how many of the drive is sublim subconsciously, if I can get here, then... I will have. And I'm not talking about status in society. I'm talking about that internal question. If I could just get here, if I could just get here. And I, I just kind of picture that with the, the rich young ruler that comes to Jesus. Jesus wasn't telling everyone with money to get rid of it. Otherwise, you wouldn't have had uh, the disciple of Joseph of Arimathea, who gave up his tomb, who was rich, that actually had so much status, he could go ask uh the the roman leader to give him the body of jesus i mean that's how much status this guy had so it wasn't about money but this guy had done everything he had done everything right he worked hard he fulfilled the law he did everything and he became very wealthy because according to the law if you do it all you are going to get blessed so he got that point and then he gets to the very end jesus says, sell all you have give to the poor it wasn't saying if you have money sell all you have given the poor it's like your motive for why you did all these things. I want to take that away because you're missing the point. And you see this later in life with some of these quote unquote successful people. So now let's go back to this hardworking farmer. We get to partake. We're running a race to win a prize. We are enduring hardness as a good soldier. And, and we're becoming a good soldier. We're giving ourselves to these things. But the key thing that Paul tells Timothy is be strong in the grace that has been given to you, which means your identity and your position has to be strong first before any of these three examples can truly bear the witness of 
your life? What are your thoughts? That was kind of a deep thought, but. So just to address um, your two questions that you started with, the purpose of the wedding, purpose of the house, to give some context to people, um, those who don't know me, it's not just to live the American dream, have a nice big wedding, get a house you can't afford, to stay in a job you can't stand to get up in the morning, but you have to just to get divorced, right? The purpose for our wedding, and you would be surprised, we actually did it on a budget. We counted the cost before we, we went to build, right? So we took this concept and what we did is we invited a lot of friends and family that might not come from our faith background. And we wanted that to be a, a, a moment of celebration, not only for me and uh, my wife's relationship, but also a moment for them to remember of like what true love in God looks like. And I don't know, maybe the people at the, the wedding can judge how we did. Um, I know we had a lot of conversations with people. So I know it, it accomplished our purpose. And now our purpose is still being fulfilled with our marriage and living that out. Um, now, looking at the house, we, we, we weren't ever thinking about doing a house this soon. We're now at a, at a point where we want to move forward into a house um, with the purpose of um, our church plant. They're doing home churches. Uh, we want a space where we can give and provide to our church. Um, and so our house search is probably much different from maybe people in our position in our age. We're looking for something very specific. And we're not going to give up um, on that specific search. And it's not a search for just like, uh, we want a hot tub or, oh, we want this room. We want a nice big master suite. We want a nice big bathroom. It's like, no, we want a space where we can use um, for ministry. And so ultimately, I would say the hard worker farmer, what is he toiling for? The, the first fruits, but it's for his purpose. What, you know, like, what is the purpose of a farmer? The purpose of a farmer is to um, feed the world. Is that not the first <laughs> reason? Especially in this context, when it back right. in those times, it was right. less of right. a money making industry and more of a hey, we have to do this to survive. And I would say even today, um, and you know, maybe not every farmer agrees with me. You don't get into farming to make money. It's not why you get into farming. There's something beyond that that pushes you to get in, and I think that has a lot to do with like. Um, what you're talking about, Brian, about leaving something for generations and generations to come. Uh, a farm is a very like real <laughs> representation of that, right? Like working the land, training your son how to take over that land and giving that land to them, right? It's not like you're cashing out on a big <laughs> exit, right? And uh, there are farmers who do do that, right? Um, but very much back, look into the context of when this was written, that purpose is to is to feed your community, but also to have enough to replant the next year. And so there's something far beyond just the, the fruit of what you get. 
Um, it's, it's truly your purpose. And, you know, why are you doing this? What makes a hardworking farmer get up every morning is he's got his purpose to do this. If he doesn't do this, people don't get fed. How, how are you getting up in the morning knowing that's your reality? Now take that into the context of Timothy. How, how is Timothy getting up in the morning? Is he, is he going to rest on the laurels and let what Paul did happen? Is he just going to ride that out? Or is he going to get up and work and toil too, but also get the reward? That's a great point. We can also add into it. If you look at the farm that Timothy was given, which was people's hearts, that came from Paul. So you have two things motivating you, not only to feed the world or to feed that community or feed, provide something for that community, but it's also the legacy you've been given. So you have the weight of the legacy of your father passing down the farm so you don't want to let the farm fail because it will wreck the family lineage it will it'll it'll mar the family lineage because i think you're right you don't have new farmers just going in like someone goes to school and says, i think i want to be a farmer and goes and buys a thousand acres you you have history there now that's different when you have this huge global conglomerate that buys up land and but in a way they they've not, I don't necessarily like it, but they produced a manufacturing way to do that. So in a sense, they built a different kind of farm. They built a business type of farm that's being done. But like the family pass on farm, that's hard work because your family passed it on. And so there's something about your legacy that's going too. So the hardworking farmer has two different, it's almost like two motivations in that. And sometimes you do hit it big, but most of the time you're in stress over whether all the elements are going to come together for that thing to come to play out like you like. I guess um, to kind of wrap up and, and give my final thought here, um, I just want to once again em emphasize, emphasize um, the farmer, what they're doing is they're taking a risk. They're taking a risk, though, on their purpose, which I think ultimately is going to produce something good right? You may have setbacks, you may have trials, you may have things you have to overcome. But if, if you're really pursuing your purpose and taking a step, taking a risk into your purpose, there's going to be a fruit that comes from that. And that fruit ultimately is, is your reward. And I think of like, just on like a little level, like taking one step into your calling, you get to own the rewards, the outcome that comes from that. And the position and the identity you get when you start walking out that purpose, it's almost like it's, it's, it's something that feeds you that you just, you hunger for again and again and again. I think of like the first time uh, for my work, you know, getting the sales, that, that, that first sale and that first time where I fully walked someone through the process by myself, I now began to own that process and it, and it, it began in me like I wasn't up to someone else to begin to walk this out. And I think that's something that's um, really sticking out to me here is that find that purpose, 
take the risk, walk it out, but also find a father in that arena. Find someone who can help you walk through that, um, whether that be a mentor or whether that just be a connection with you and God. And I think ultimately it'll come down to both. I'm going to throw out, since we're kind of closing out uh, this series with, with Timothy and Paul, is we're kind of talking about eating of the first fruits, the partaking, the reward, maybe a different level of authority that happens with a soldier and you understand that and the maybe there's privilege that comes with that. I think sometimes when even like when I brought up the the scripture in Hebrews that there's a reward. It's not a selfish pursuit. Revelation chapter 4, 10 and 11, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power for you created all things. And by your will, they exist and were created. In other words, there is rewards for what we do. There is crowns. But when you the heart is right, look at the heart of what the elders who earned those crowns did with it. They honored the one who gave them the power to do get the crown. Like that to me is like the ultimate heart of reward. Hmm. So just a thought with that when we're looking through these things and be encouraged to pursue, to work hard, to do those things by being strong in the grace, the position you've been given. You don't have to earn any. This ain't earning. It's creating such a value from what has been given to you. You can't help but to want to exhaust yourself in that pursuit, as Paul did. Pick this episode. I'm more here to learn because I don't have a job yet. So, <laughs> But you could be a great farmer someday. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to wrap it up with that. Um, if you guys are... Uh, if this is the first episode you've tuned into for a while, go back and listen to the two before this one where we give a lot of context. And again, we go into our more depth, uh, in-depth dives on the the soldier and the athlete. I just want to leave you guys with this last thing, which is what Paul um, writes in 2 Timothy here after he's talking about these three people. He says, understand what I say, for the Lord will give you insight in everything. And so that's one thing I hope we all take away from this is as we're trying to sort through all these things and all these dynamics, your father will give you insight. Just keep your ears open, stay in contact with him. He's with you. He will give you insight into everything that you need and everywhere you're going to go. And Brian's going to say one more thing there. And be willing to take the risk with it and not just accept it. Absolutely. Amen to that. Well, as always, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Stick around with us. A lot more good to come. And again, in the next episode, we'll hopefully get Caleb back in here so he can defend himself and attack me for all the terrible things I've said about him today. So until next time, keep the faith, stay in the fight.